0: we also would love to connect with you on our social media on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey, Kingdom Culture family, hope you are doing well. Welcome to our online experience. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, We pray that every single time that you come on to this online experience, whether you're listening after the fact, watching after the fact, or watching live, that you would really be encouraged, strengthened in your faith, and that you take the opportunity to apply some of the things that you may be learning. We hope that these are are, are beneficial for you in a practical way. I I hope that it's not just something that's you know tickling your eardrums and then you kind of go on and forget about during the week. We hope that you are able to flesh this out in your spiritual life every single day. It's one of the reasons why we do connect groups. And um, maybe you are in the local area, you're in Ottawa, and you can join a connect group that Kingdom Culture offers. This is one of the ways that we activate and apply everything that we're learning online, week in and week out, is through connecting in relationship and then figuring out how does this apply to my life? How can I live this stuff out in my life that I'm learning on a Sunday? Um, and so I hope that this is your reality and that you're be able you're able to apply some of the things that you're learning week in and week out. And once again, love to see you live and in person at our Cineplex venue. And uh, if you're local, please join us live. There's nothing like it. You cannot compare the live to the online, but I know I get it. Some of you have no choice and this is the way that you feel you can connect in this season. And so we just pray that you would continue to be a blessing for you. I want to talk out of the book of Ephesians this morning, uh, chapter four specifically. And before we get into that, I want to give you a little bit of context because we know that Paul the Apostle wrote this letter, wrote this epistle. Uh, And and most scholars would say that it's for the believers at Ephesus speaking specifically to new Gentile converts, people that have just come into a revelation that Jesus is the way and he is the, the cornerstone, the one who has saved and set them free. And yet, Other scholars would believe that it wasn't just for the believers at Ephesus, that it was actually in early manuscripts. There was no specific, this is just for the believers at Ephesus, but also uh, other church and groups around and outside of Ephesus. Whatever the case may be, Ephesians is an amazing book, and there's so many tools and Um, truths in this book to help unify the body of Christ, to strengthen the body of Christ. Really, it's a book about what maturity looks like, especially Ephesians chapter four, you know, really diving into the leadership gifts within the church, within the body of Christ and how that pertains to equipping the church and uniting the church and maturing and growing the the church and moving from children to spiritual adulthood. And it's an amazing book. And I'd really encourage you, if you've never read the book of Ephesians, to actually get into the book of Ephesians. I know it will really encourage your spiritual development. And so, like I said, this book is about promoting uni- unity and and helping new believers come into maturity. And so, you know, one of the the verses in verse two, we'll get into a second into this in a second, in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four, verse uh verse two, we see this these elements that are a reflection of living worthy of her calling. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, live a life worthy of the calling given to you. And then it goes into various elements of what living worthy can look like. And we're going to get into this. I'm going to read this in a a second. So I want to read out of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 to 2. I'm not going to actually stay here because I'm going to be diving into the verses that follow this. But I want to just read the first part of Ephesians 4 to us. It says this, because I'm reading four verses this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 2 says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, by the way, Paul the apostle who wrote this was also serving in prison, was not serving, but like literally in prison, on house arrest. And although there was a level of of freedom potentially, he was on house arrest writing these letters to encourage the believers, the recent believers, okay? So this is a little bit of a visual context for you. Imagine being on house arrest, being in prison, and encouraging the church. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. I love this verse. For you have been called by God. Verse two, always be humble. This is uh, what it looks like to live worthy of your calling. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance each other's faults because of your love. In other words, if you don't have love, there's no room for failure. Because if you're making an allowance, if you're making an allowance for people to have fault, to people have to have faults in your life or to make mistakes, if you're creating a space where it's okay to fail, I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to be there to support you. If you create that space, it's because you have a love. You understand what love is. Love is love does not hold the wrong against an individual love always hopes always trusts i mean you can read the love chapter in 1st corinthians chapter 13 because of your love you're able to have grace basically is what he's saying because of your love you're making an allowance for each other's faults. And this is what allows us to have healthy relationship. If you don't allow the person next to you, the person that you say you love, to, to have failure or to have faults and you condemn them every time they mess up, you really don't and are not operating in love. And so we need to understand this value of uh, what it looks like to have healthy relationships through the lens of healthy perspectives on love. Now we're going to dive into the verse after Ephesians chapter four, verse three to four. It says "Then after this, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace for there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future be one with each other because there is only one body and one spirit he's he's giving us this encouragement because of who god is and what he is like and how this pertains to us as the body of christ we have to understand that unity looks like oneness oneness just as the father the son and the holy spirit are one one god one god expressed in three different ways, one God, so are we to have a oneness with each other. We may have different expressions, like the Holy Spirit has, has uh, uh, an expression. Jesus has an expression. God has an expression. There are parts of our lives that have varying expressions. Well, in the body of Christ, we all have maybe differing gifts, but we are called to be as one, united as one, even if we have a different expression. So today I wanna talk about relational goals, relationship goals, the way to unity. We are talking about what I believe is the five key ingredient or five key ingredients for unity in the context of relationships. And this is, we, fall, we fail in this all the time. And this is where love kicks in. We have to make allowance for each other's faults. One of the ways that we live um, worthy of our calling is to be humble, gentle, kind, of course, but to, to be... Uh, a loving representation of what Christ is for us to each other, allowing people and extending them grace even in the midst of failure and mistakes. And we fail at this so often, but yet it's a goal. Our goal is to love. Our goal is to find unity. Our goal is to find one, uh, oneness. Our goal is to have healthy relationships. And yet, in marriages, in friendships, in co working relationships, in Uh, family or relationships, in parenting type kids relationships, in career, other career type relationships, in church and community. We fail at this all the time. This is why the church gets such a bad rap is because people fail them and people in the church shouldn't fail you because they should be perfect and they should be flawless and never make mistakes. Well, that's not operating in love. If you have an expectation of somebody in leadership, or somebody uh, in the church just because they are a representation of the church in the church, part of the body of Christ, and even an expectation that they're never going to fail you, they're never going to make a mistake, you don't understand what love is. Love is seeing people through the lens of how Christ sees us and extending the same grace to them as Christ extends to to us. And often we end up blaming the very thing that we need the most and we excommunicate ourselves because of something that happened that maybe rightly so shouldn't have happened, but it happened that people are people and they will make mistakes. Now, I'm not trying to justify you know, bad things that have caused trauma and PTSD and all these different things, but here's the reality. We live in a world where people are messed up and will make mistakes even if they are following Jesus with all their heart. It doesn't mean that they're going to follow Jesus flawlessly. And so just as we are extended grace and mercy, and we don't deserve the grace, you know, we, and we don't necessarily deserve the mercy. We have to also extend that to those around us. And this is the way forward. This is the way forward. If we're going to have a healthy relationship goal in life, this is the way forward. Grace, grace, grace. So let's go back to our um, main two verses out of Ephesians chapter four that we're reading today. Make every effort, make every effort, and I want to break down piece by piece the five key ingredients for unity and relationships. Now we know the the verse. I'm just gonna read it again, okay? Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Okay? This is this is a very important verse. It's a very important line. There's lots of truth. Packed in this. And I believe there's a five key ingredients in this verse alone that will help us have healthy relationship goals and meet those goals. And, And where we can strengthen and mature our relationships because we have these key ingredients in our life and leadership. Number one, be diligent. He uses the term make every effort. Now, this is out of the New Living Translation. I'm gonna break down the Greek. Original manuscript of what actually is being said here, but in this translation, so that we understand it sort of in our everyday language, he he encourages the believers, the new believers that are still in that process, like we all are, make every effort. Uh, This is what I wanna, and I wanna say this is number one. Number one, the first key ingredient is to be diligent. If you wanna have healthy relationship goals and you wanna meet those goals, be diligent in your relationships. This word for be diligent means to be swift. It means to go fast it means to be speedy figuratively it means to move speedily by showing full diligence in other words fully applying yourself i want to encourage you i want to implore you to fully apply yourself in relationships Fully apply yourselves in community. Fully apply yourselves in your career and your co-working relationships and your marriage relationships. The only way you're going to win forward and only gonna ha- and gonna have healthy relationships is to fully apply yourself. I mean, this is what marriage is all about, right? You commit to fully apply yourself. If you are Marrying from a biblical uh, vantage point, then you're you're living at Ephesians chapter five, where Paul says uh, to the husband, to lay down your life for your bride, for your wife, just as Christ laid down his life as the groom for his bride, the body of Christ. This is the illustration that Paul draws. And so we are to fully apply ourselves to, it also could mean to act fervently or to have a speedy commitment to accomplish all that God assigns. So we are applying ourselves fully because our goal and our hope is to accomplish all that God assigns. That if I'm gonna get the best out of this relationship for myself and for the individual, I need to fully apply myself, be diligent, because I want to accomplish and I wanna experience all that God signs. This is something that we have to be fervent in, to act quickly in, to go after. Now, what are we being encouraged to be diligent in? Like, obviously, you know, and I'm talking about relationship, Um, but we're being encouraged to be diligent, okay, and act speedy and to fully apply oneself in protecting the relationship. Number two, second key ingredient to really advancing in our relationship goals is we have to have a goal of being not only diligent to make every effort, like Paul says, but to protect. So we're being diligent in protecting, protecting ourselves, protecting the relationship. But the the word says, well, let me read it. Make every effort to keep yourselves, to keep yourselves united. So our goal is to be super diligent, To keep, or the other word is, the the actual word is really to guard, to protect ourselves, to stay united in spirit. I want to protect this relationship. I wanna keep that oneness. I wanna keep that connection. So I'm gonna do whatever I can to fully apply myself to protect and guard the relationship. This word for to keep, like I've been saying, means to guard, to spiritually guard, watch, keep intact, or in other words, to persevere. Or sorry, to preserve, okay? Preserve the relationship. Do what you can to preserve your relationship. It actually could also mean to guard from loss or injury, to keep an eye upon. I want to apply myself to this relationship. I want to reach my relationship goals. So it's in, it's my duty to make every effort. Number one, make every effort to be diligent, to guard, to keep my eye upon, to guard from loss or injury. I want to be your protection. I want to be your protector. I mean, this is a great marriage um, slash relationship, dating slash just good friendship type message. If you want to be a good friend, protect your friends. Do whatever you can to protect them. Like, man, it's so, it blows my mind uh, in this day and age because of the power of social media, how quick people are To believe a lie that's being said on social media or in the news or whatever before they even sit down with the individual and have a conversation that they said they were friends with. I've seen more friendships disband in the last three years than, I don't know, just because of the power of social media, because of the power and the the confusion that's come as a result of what's being said out there versus, hey, I'm I'm in this to guard the relationship. Like, what's really going on? And I've seen so many relationships divide in this last season because there was no protection. There was no guard. And uh, so we we need this. So number one, number one, be diligent to make every effort. Number two, we have to guard the relationship if we're going to have our, our relationship goals. And number three, we want to find the harmony because we're fighting to guard. We're being diligent. In, in guarding, protecting the relationship against what? Well, we against division. And as we're doing that, our goal is to find the harmony. It says in Ephesians chapter four, verse three, make every effort to keep yourselves, we've already addressed those two, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. So this is the goal. Our goal is to fight, to make every effort, to be diligent, to guard yourselves and keep yourselves in harmony. The word is united in the the New Living Translation. But really, it means to find harmony. It means to find oneness in unity, especially the God-produced unity between believers. But an example of this is the harmony from sharing likeness of nature with the Lord, okay? And if you ever, if you're a musician, you know what it's like to hear a good harmony. If If somebody's singing backup vocals, In a band and they're singing the harmony it's supposed to complement the lead singer a harmony should complement a harmony should support a harmony should not be the main thing but it supports and so when we're harmonizing with one another we are complementing one another this is the goal this is what we're fighting for this is what unity looks like it does not mean that we agree on everything just like a harmony it means you're not singing the same notes you're singing something harmonious. You're complementing the notes that are being sung. When we're in harmony and we're in unity, it's not because we agree on every little thing or we have the same opinion on every little thing or we have the same gifts, same leadership qualities. No, we are all bringing what we are bringing to the table and expressing expressing our uh, our difference in love, because we desire to advance the kingdom. Talking about, let's talk about the church for a second. When we're all in unison, bringing our peace and our part, like we've been talking about, we've been been talking a lot about communion, or not communion, community, in the last uh, several weeks. When we're part of a community, a church community, we're bringing our peace, we're bringing our part, we're playing our role, we are harmonizing with one another. We are walking in unity. Our role may be different than the other guy's role, the next person's role, the woman's role, whatever but we're bringing our peace and we're harmonizing together. This is what we're fighting for, to find the harmony, to find unity. Have you ever, think about, back to the music illustration, have you ever heard a bad harmony? You just It just stands out, like it stands out like a sore thumb you know it's like you hear this bad harmony man they're off they're flat they're not complimenting the lead they're actually uh, detracting they're taking away now everybody's distracted well this is what happens when we're not in unity when we're in division it's like we can we forget all the good and only look to the de- the divisive one we we our attention goes to the negative this is why we need to fight for unity and what are we fighting for unity in to be bonded let's go to the next The next point, next key ingredient, number four, to be bonded, or the word is, or my point is, to be committed, to be committed. Let me, I'm gonna read all this at the very end and help us see it differently because I'm really unpacking one main verse today, okay? So Ephesians chapter four, verse three, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. So we know we're talking about being diligent. We're talking about making every effort to fully apply ourselves, remember, fully apply ourselves, to find unity uh, in the spirit through, let me say, through being committed. Because he uses the word binding yourself. So we're gonna be united in spirit because we're binding ourselves, we're committed. It sounds like the first point. It sounds like making every effort. It sounds like being fully, uh, fully applying yourself. But this word is the word, let's say bonded, okay? this is the word English word bonded. And it actually means to closely identify with or to have identity, close identity with. It means close union. Um, it, it's the kind of inner identity that produces a close harmony between members joined closely together. And one of the examples is is used of like a ligament, for example. There's we need these ligaments in our body to make everything work properly. So to be fully committed is to bind ourselves together. Now, interesting thought that in this context, he Paul uses the word bond. He uses the word uh, binding yourself, which is an interesting choice of words because most likely, and it's very possible, that this was actually all written in some way in a time when he was wearing bonds himself. Remember, he was a prisoner. He was a prisoner serving the Lord. He was a prisoner because he was serving the Lord. He was a prisoner writing this letter to encourage the church, and likely he would have been in some form of bond at some point, and he's speaking from this vantage point. I know what it's like to be committed to these chains, be, chains because I'm committed to the one who I'm all about serving. So I know what it's like. And if we're gonna have unity, just as I am bonded to these chains, you have to be bound to one another. It's like, and it's not a negative thing. Like I am chain in relationship. When you commit to a relationship, it's like, you're saying, hey, I'm bound to you. I'm gonna carry your burden. I'm gonna lift the load on behalf of you. When you're going through t- uh, You know, hard times, I'm there with you. I'm chained to you. And the more chained we are, it's like we become that chain link fence, the stronger we are. If we're connected this way, the stronger we are. If we're disconnected, we have holes in the fence. Guess what? We're vulnerable. Like I used, like I said, like several weeks ago, using the Jenga set, if there's holes in the tower, let's call that the local expression of of the house of God, the church. If there's holes in the Jenga tower, guess what? It's only a matter of time before the tower topples over. A house divided against itself cannot stand. A chain link fence that has holes in it is vulnerable and is basically useless. Somehow something's gonna get in because the fence is not linked and bound together. So he's binding us together. But what is he binding us together in? This goes on to, it it continues on, into peace. It all culminates into peace. Why? Because there is no purpose without peace. This is what sort of one of my focuses of this message. My subtitle said, you know, we basically, we find find uh, uh, peace, we find purpose. When we are building in peace, we're building with purpose. This word peace literally means to join, tie together into a whole. It literally means wholeness when all essential parts are joined together. When everybody's playing their part in relationship, there is a wholeness that happens. There is a health that happens. There is a maturity that happens. That's why Ephesians 4, really the the vision or the focus of Ephesians 4, as you get down, starting in verse 11 and onwards, you see like when everybody's playing their, their part and you have apostles, you have prophets, you have pastors, you have evangelists, you have teachers... As they are playing their part, equipping the body, there's a unity that happens, there's a maturity that happens, there's a growth that happens, a divine order that happens and all the essential parts begin to function because they're trained and equipped to be who they are created to be as part of the body who is one, just as Christ is one, God is one. As all of us come together, guess what? There's a wholeness that happens, the health that happens. Just as you'd see the Jenga tower, when every part, every block every p- is positioned properly, there's a wholeness. There's no hole in the tower. It's whole, it's whole. There is no hole, it's whole, it's complete. This is the goal of peace to make and bring us into a completeness. So this is my fifth ingredient for today to, to hit our relational goals, our relationship goals in this season. To aim for peace. Ultimately, all of this culminates into the aim and the target of peace. Why do we need to be bound together in peace? Because it's peace that builds. Talked about this last week. It's peace that builds the house of God. Remember, in First Chronicles chapter twenty-two, verse seven to ten, talking about Solomon. David wanting to build a house for God, but he couldn't. He had too much bloodshed. So God said to David, not going to be you, bro, Not that builds a house for me to honor my name. It's going to be your son, Solomon. The, the, the name Solomon literally means peace. His name means peace. And God said, there's going to be peace on all sides. With While he's reigning, there will be peace on all sides. He's going to calm the enemies down, he says, on all sides. And it actually, you know, it's interesting because his name means peace. So the what the person who's going to end up building a house to honor God's name is a person who's named peace. Peace is going to build the house. Peace is going to be the foundation of the house. Where was the house built? In a city of the city of Jerusalem, which means the city of peace. Peace is the foundation stone, really one of the foundation stones of the kingdom, one of the pillars to build and advance the kingdom. If he, Romans chapter 14, verse 17 to 19, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, and I'm sounding like a broken record, I talked about this last week, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not about the things, the opinions, the, the peripherals in the end. If we want to build and advance the kingdom, we need goodness, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. These are the pillars of building and advancing the kingdom, which in the church context, as an expression of the kingdom, as a main expression of the kingdom in a city, in a region, in a country, the local church, and yet obviously the big sea church across the globe is a part of expressing the kingdom, building from these places, building from righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So let me reread now this whole verse to you. Cause I wanna I want us to see this different and I want to encourage us today. This was a little bit of a shorter, encouraging, devotional type message. I want you to leave this morning with an assignment to meditate on this verse in this season. When it comes to your marriage, when it comes to co-working relationships, your friendships, your church community relationships, um, whatever whatever relationships that you, you have, maybe they're struggling right now, I wanna give you a goal. I wanna give you a goal because when you find peace in these relationships, even in the midst of differing of opinions, even in the midst of potential conflict, even in the midst of at times maybe dishonor, even in the midst midst of potentially division, whatever the case may be, tension, pressure, in the midst of all that, to have a relational goal, a relationship goal, that's you're gonna find peace in the season so you can find the purpose. Remember, one of the the definitions of 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 or one of the the core focal points of this verse is to fully experience the assignment that God has placed over the relationship. Now, let me read this of verse 3 all over again for you. Make every effort. Remember, be diligent. That was number one. Be diligent. Make every effort. Be diligent to be swift, to fully apply oneself, to accomplish all that God assigns. Be focused, okay? Be speedy. Don't be slow. Don't be slow in what I'm about to tell you. Slow in guarding the relationship. That's what he's saying. Number two is to protect. Don't be slow in protecting the relationships. Don't be quick to listen to the lies, quick to listen to the social media shots that are coming at your friends or whoever. Don't be quick to listen to those lies, the news feeds. Don't be quick to listen to the he said, she said. Be quick to protect. Be diligent to protect because God wants to pull an amazing, amazing purpose out of this relationship. He says, make every effort to keep yourselves. Remember, that's the word protect, to guard, to keep yourselves united, to find the harmony, to find the harmony, fully apply yourself, fully apply yourself, fully commit yourself to guard the harmony, to guard the un- the unity between your relationships. Think about this in the church context. Like, if everybody had this revelation, man, division would be a uh, a more rare thing in the church. It'd be way more rare if everybody had this revelation. And remember, this follows right after Paul saying in first uh, the first verse, "Like I beg you, I plead with you," he says, "to live a life worthy of your calling." Here I am in chains, I, chains. I'm bonded up. I'm in prison writing you this letter. I'm seeing potential division. I see the reality of how maturity is held back when division is taking the lead. I see all this stuff. Here I am in prison. I'm encouraging you to fight for harmony. I'm encouraging you to be united. I'm encouraging you. This is what living a life worthy of your calling looks like, is to give allowance to people to make mistakes and yet say, "Ah, I'm there for you. I'm going to pick you back up again. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to guard you. I'm going to be a support to you. He says, protect the harmony, protect the unity in the context of being committed. That's number four, to be committed. Fourth ingredient, to be committed, to bind yourselves together. Bind yourselves. If you want unity, be bound to one another, be committed to one another. And and committed to what? Peace, finding peace. Because if you find peace You find your purpose, and if you find your purpose, guess what? You're building something. This is God's heart for you, to build the kingdom. And you cannot build the kingdom if you don't have peace, especially in relationships. And God's goal for you in this season is to build and advance the kingdom in the context of the relationships that you have right now in your life, your church community, your business relationships, your marriage relationships, your kids. I mean, just all facets of relationship. God has a goal for those relationships. And his goal is that you would extract his kingdom purpose from those relationships. Both you, of course, will be blessed, but the other person as well will be blessed. And that's what it looks like to fight, to guard, to protect, to be committed, to be bound to each other for the purpose of peace. I hope this really encouraged you this morning. I just believe that God is really highlighting in this season for us as a community, as Kingdom Culture, this aim for healthy community in a way that maybe we've never had before. I don't know, but I just believe this is God's highlight for us in this season. It's God's highlight for you in this season, in a time where the enemy will do whatever he can to take out relationships, to divide relationships, to, to to pivot or to pin people against each other and put them against each other in this season to create division so that he can take out um, take out these relate- amazing kingdom, purpose-driven relationships. But that's not you. God is going to protect. God is going to guard. God is going to heal, restore, redeem your relationships in Jesus' name. God, I pray for everybody listening, every marriage, every parental relationship that may be going through a hard time, every friendship, every uh, relationship within the church, community, churches all across Canada and around the world, God, I pray that you would do something so powerful in this season, that it would be a revival of sorts of healthy relationship, a revival of mature relationship, a revival of what it looks like to be united together in peace in the spirit, to do what you've called us to do as a church, to build and advance the kingdom in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would shock the world. I mean, Jesus, you even said it, like people will know, the world will know who are my disciples because of their love for each other. I pray that that would be the the greatest fruit in this season, that the, the world would know who the disciples of Jesus are through their love for each other. Just like he says, live worthy of the calling, be gentle, be kind, be humble, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I pray that love would be at the forefront in this season so that we can build with peace and advance the kingdom in Jesus' name. God bless you, Kingdom Culture.